Hey folks, you're listening to To Know the Land, broadcasting from the Treaty Territories of the Mississauga the Credit on 93.3 FM at the University of Guelph. Or maybe you're listening through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. It's a show about our connections with the land base, how we interact with the land, how we learn from the land, how we defend the land. My name is Byron, and today I wanted to talk about a sit spot. And probably if you're listening to the show, you know exactly what a sit spot is. But maybe you don't. And so I wanted to talk about it. I've been having such amazing experiences at my sit spot lately uh, that it just, it, it's been welling up inside me. I've been telling stories a lot to the kids I work with, to the adults I work with. And I want to sort of like sing the praises, you know. And I also find that some folks that I talk to struggle with the sit spot. They don't know how to do it. They find it challenging. Or some folks don't find the time for it. They can't find the space in their lives to fit in a sit spot. Or they don't know where to go for a sit spot. You know, they can't make it up to Algonquin every day. And they don't live in a pristine wilderness. So... How are they supposed to enjoy a sit spot? How are they supposed to get this get this done? Especially when, for a lot of folks, especially at the beginning too, man, it can sometimes feel like a lot of work. So I wanted to just talk about a sit spot, what it means to me, how what it means to other people, and maybe tell a couple of stories about my sit spot. Because I find hearing the value of it in other people's words can sometimes reinvigorate the practice for me, for me when I fall out of practice. Um, but man, it's a glorious thing. It's, it's a wonderful tool. I'll just, I'll just, on the Naturalistics podcast, it's this old podcast that used to exist. They had an episode and the episode, I think it was called... It was the Naturalist Habits tier list. And what they mean by that is they sort of ranked the habits of a naturalist, of what could possibly be the best habits that a naturalist could take on. And some of those habits were, you know, hiking in the woods, practicing sort of survival skills, uh, you know, crafts. With thing with nature-based stuff, or even journaling, nature journaling, and I think they rated the best skill to becoming a naturalist, the most important skill to becoming a naturalist, aside from anything else, was a sit spot, number one. And these are seasoned naturalists that sort of put this list together, and this became the number one spot. And I totally agree, and I think that. Uh, for me, the sit spot has has inspired me so much uh, to just keep learning and keep studying and keep uh, asking questions of others, of reading all the books I've read. The sit spot was the gateway drug to this whole to know the land project. And I think for a focused any sort of focused learning that has come from a love for the land has come from that sit spot pretty much. 
as way of a gateway from other things. And there's so many good things. I just, I just, ugh, I don't know how to express it in a good way, but maybe I'll just get into a quick definition that's in the Coyote's Guide to Connecting with Nature by John Young, Ellen Haas, and Evan McGowan. And this book is sort of out of date, but like has some nuggets that are still pretty good. And it says, sit spot in a nutshell. Find one place in your, in your natural world that you visit all the time and get to know it as your best friend. Let this place be where you learn to sit still, alone, often, and quietly, before you playfully explore beyond. This will become your place of intimate connection with nature. And I feel like that's the most simplest explanation of like just getting out there, be it your backyard, a city park, your balcony. Um, for me, it's often by the river, either at work or by my house uh, in two different spots. I've taken up a new spot that I'll talk about a bit later. If you ever listen to the Prison Connections episode that I did a few years ago, uh, that, that one's about someone talking about their sit spot in their prison cell. So there's, there's multiple options. It's almost like I could, I could say that, like, you got no excuse. You know, a, a sit spot can be done anywhere at any time as long as we're sitting quietly and paying attention to the world going on around us. I've done sit spots in Toronto, in big cities, uh, when I lived there. I've done sit spots out in, in like nowhere, in the middle of the forest, down a log canoeing lake, you know, like it's, it's, it can happen anywhere at any time as a place to just sit still and love up the land and just observe and you get so much out of it i'll tell a story so uh today i'm recording this on a wednesday and on i guess it was monday no pardon me tuesday i was sitting there by the river and i've enjoyed sitting at this river so much i've seen lots of beautiful things just sitting at this one spot in the river and I'm tucked beside a willow tree and sort of between me and the river, there's a long uh, willow branch that had broken off the willow and landed uh, on the bank. And I can sort of lean up against that facing the river or I can, I can lay alongside it with the log between me and the river. And I was sitting there this willow branch that had fallen was in front of me. I was just sitting there looking out at the river and I, I leaned forward because I saw on the willow log in front of me, there was this uh, fluff. It was kind of like a very small hair with a little nub at the end. And I looked in close and it kind of looked like a seed maybe at the end, a very tiny little thing. And then I realized that the amount of fluff that was there, maybe how it was sort of bunched together, the length of the fluff and this little nub at the end probably was cattail fluff uh, from the typhus. I can't remember the specific epithet, but I think it's typhus or typha. 
is, is the cattail. And I was leaning forward to pick at this, and I think the movement of leaning forward had triggered an alarm call from a squirrel, a great, or pardon me, a red squirrel behind me. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. My little movement spooked this squirrel. And then I kept picking, and then all of a sudden, right beside me, my friend Matt was there. And it was amazing because from years of sitting at sit spots, being able to pick up an alarm call from an animal and knowing that something is up because of the alarm call. But, you know, like I thought it was myself, but I knew that something was up um, when that alarm call went off. That's a skill that I only learned at a sit spot, learning how to pay attention to the wildlife around me. Obviously, I took it. I, I heard the alarm. I knew it was there, but I, it was like I pressed the snooze button on it. And Matt was able to sneak up on me without me knowing. But if I had paid attention, I probably would have looked around a little bit and been able to see Matt before he got close. But one cool thing was Matt came up and he understands the sit spot. And he sat down or asked if he could sit down first. He asked if he could sit down next to me. And I said, yeah, for sure. Because I knew he was going to be quiet. And he just asked if I'd seen anything, I think. And I, I said, no, you know. And we just sort of settled into a bit of quiet. And while we were sitting there, uh, this large bird came from our side of the river and flew downstream towards us and then into the bushes and trees on the other side of the river, uh, into some cedars. And then another one came down. And then two came down. And then another one came down. And these were big, heavy birds, kind of like the size of geese. And then finally one came and it flew up into a willow right across from us. And we were looking at them and Matt said his first thought was, was a bald eagle. And I have to say, I don't have a first thought. My, my brain went through quickly all these ideas. I was like, goose? And I was like, no, no, it doesn't make sense. And then like, I had to really see the bird across from us and hear them. And they're making this like kind of weird noise. Probably didn't sound anything like that, but that's my best impression. And I realized it was a wild turkey. And I know like a wild turkey isn't sexy megafauna. It's, it's almost as likely as seeing like a blue jay for some people. But I'm still excited by seeing a blue jay up close doing their thing. I'll always watch the blue jays because they're still beautiful. They're still up to something that I don't know about that I can learn from. And it's the same with the turkeys. I can, I can always learn from them. I can always watch their behaviors and see what they're up to. And so we just sat there for a second, amazed that we just got to see these nine turkeys fly across the river and it was pretty special. I think right now uh, the turkey hunt is on in southern Ontario where we are in our wildlife management unit. And um, these turkeys may have been pushed off from somewhere, finding a safe place to be. And our neck of the woods is where, where, where our neck of the woods is, uh, where our school is, where I work. It is a safe place to be. There's no threat of hunting there. So it was really nice to see that these turkeys were there. They've 
They moved as if they felt safe. And it was, it was pretty special. And I feel like it's these little special moments that you see at your sit spot that start to add up. I remember another time being at that sit spot, I did see a bald eagle on the river. I remember another time at that spot seeing a white-tailed deer come down the river towards me. I thought it was like a floating dog head at first because it was way off. And I just kept seeing them coming down the river and they just walked right by me. And it was beautiful. Another time doing a sit spot at this exact same spot, just right by the river, by this willow. Uh, I was just coming in with one of my students and they didn't want to play a game with the rest of everybody. So I said, why don't you just go take a seat by the river just see what happens. And I sat down. I probably told this on the radio before, but I was watching this merganser and this mallard down the way. And they were sort of hanging out. Mallard was sort of diving a little bit, sticking its head in, its butt up in the air, looking for food. And so the mallard came down, and then right when it got to about in front of me, it spooked and ju just flew off right away. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm a little bit too visible here. And I spooked the mallard. But I think uh, something else might have happened, because when that merganser, when she slipped off her rock, and she started coming down the river. Same thing. As soon as she was right in front of me, she flew off. But not before something fell from the tree. Something fell from the limb of the willow right above me into the water, almost atop of this merganser. And then this merganser, common merganser, female common merganser, she just took off down, this, down the river. And only a little bit before, when I was with that one student, before we did our sit spot there, we were looking at a nest of little robins, uh, robin little, little nestlings. And I was so afraid when I saw something drop in the river. My first thought was that they were little robin nestlings that had fallen in the river. But I looked at the animal, and they looked kind of wet, but I was like, that's too big to be a robin. And it looked kind of furry, like wet fur on its head. And it swam over quickly to the other side of the river, hopped on a log there, a willow log, and made its way up and into the forest beyond I could see, beyond where I could see. But I noticed while it was going up the log there, it was, it was a long-tailed weasel. And I don't often get to see long-tailed weasels, so it was incredible. Maybe my second time ever seeing a weasel, it was pretty special. And I was really stoked. And it's because of practicing a sit spot there. Now I talk about the sit spot being at this willow. And that's one spot. I like it. It's really good. It's right by the river. I see a lot. Or I don't. And it's still beautiful to just watch the river. Watch the mist rise. Watch the mayflies fly up and down. Watch the cedar waxwings fly between the cedar trees, uh, looking for berries. Either I, Maybe they're going for the dogwoods. I'm not sure. Maybe they're going for the cedars. Maybe they're picking off insects. I'm not sure what they're going for when I see them. But it's these kinds of questions even at your sit spot that can inspire you to look further. And it's not even like these questions, if you write them down, I have a question book. That's my textbook. That's my main source, my main tool for learning. 
write down the questions for my sit spot, go home and try and learn about them. The things that I'm observing. And through this, I become a bit of a, an expert in that place. Because I'm building a strong relationship with this place of visiting often, seeing it through the seasons, seeing it through all hours of the day. And then bringing that textbook home full of questions and researching. And I really get to know the inhabitants of that place. I get to see who visits at different times of the year. And because of that space in particular, who visits over many years? I know that the green herons are back this year and they hadn't been back in a couple of years. It was almost as if they took a COVID holiday, you know, like as long as COVID was around, the green herons haven't been. Another thing I've been noticing is that the spotted sandpipers haven't been there very much in the past couple of years, but before they were there a lot. I've noticed that the beaver population seems to be pretty consistent around there. Muskrat, mink. If anything, maybe the mink population has gone up a little bit. Um, I know that there's lots of crayfish there. I know that along the edge of the river, the cedars are still doing well. The buckthorns are consistent. And I've noticed more uh, dogwoods around there and a speckled alder that seems to be invisible sometimes and then reappears. But it's always consistently in the same spot, so I'm pretty sure it doesn't just get up and walk away. But what this points to is it points to the sense of relationship over time that I have with that space. And it means a lot to me to get to know that. It's like getting to know somebody and developing that relationship with them that you, you, you keep visiting over and over again and asking deeper questions. Why does the river move this way here? Why does the water ripple around that corner Hop over that rock sometimes, but then not others. You know how sometimes with a good friend, you can look at them, you can see how they're in a good mood. And you can also see how they're in a bad mood when they're feeling like really, really up and when they're feeling really, really low. It's the same with the river. I can look at the river and see now where the average watermark would be on a rock. And then if there are certain areas where I can see the rocks clearer, I know something's wrong. I can tell in the wintertime where certain spots might, be not, might not be that safe to walk on because there's rocks there and the rocks are going to change the flow of the water. And if the water is moving faster as it goes around the rock, that area is going to be the rock. The ice is, tends to be a bit thinner there, so not as safe. And so I can direct the kids where to walk when we're walking on the ice on the frozen river. The, these little details that just come from relationship. And this relationship just comes from the sit spot. It is truly a gateway to relationship with a broader community. A community beyond the human, you know. There's a spot that I've been going to for the past couple of days, uh, starting last Thursday. I was 
I went into work early. I knew I was going to stay home that day, but I was sick because because I was sick, I, I wasn't going to stay at work. But I had a meeting in the morning, so I went in. But on the way, I stopped to check out the mist coming off the river. And I saw some ponds beyond the river. And it was beautiful to watch these, this mist rise. And the wind was barely perceptible, but you could see the mist moving eastwards from the ponds directly north of me. And it was, it was quite a view. And I turned my bike around to continue on to work. And I noticed behind me that the fence that has been there all this time blocking access to this little meadow and what I thought was a pond, the gate was open. Now, I'd never seen the gate open before, and I thought many times of hopping this fence. And the fence seemed pretty inaccessible. It had these spiky bits on top not like a barbed wire but just like the top of the fence I'm not sure what those are called but it, it was enough of a spike to keep me out and though I'd seen tunnels going under the fence from around the fence probably from groundhogs or maybe even a skunk trying to dig through or possibly even a fox none of these holes were big enough to accommodate me so when I saw that that gate that was open, I knew that directly after this meeting, I was going to come back to the spot and see what's through the gate. And I turned, I went to the meeting. It was quick. It was short. Everything went well. I went back up to the spot, crept through the gate, hid my bike, walked around a little bit, and then tucked into the area that was a pond the pond that I thought I'd seen through the gate for the previous few years. And I sat down at this pond and just sat quietly. And it was beautiful. There was red-winged blackbirds there. And this was like a couple of days ago, so it was chilly morning. I just watched the mist come off the river. I was so lucky I had a a thermos that was a gift, a new gift from a friend full of tea. And I just sat there feeling kind of sick, but it didn't take much work to just sit there, much less work of ride than riding my bike. And I just drank tea and watched, listening to these red-winged blackbirds calling around me. I saw what I think were some yellow-rumped warblers. It's hard to tell these days with their fall migration colors. I'm pretty sure I saw a sharp shin hawk come in, dash through some willows, and then head out again pretty quickly. It was a pretty special spot, and I think it was the first day there. I stayed for about an hour and a half, just sitting in the one spot. A gray squirrel came up behind me and was sort of investigating me. And only a minute later, from in front of me, a mink walked by. And I think I have a very special association with minks at sit spots. And it was very lovely to see that mink. 
And I, I shortly after I packed up my stuff and I left and I went home, spent the day in my house. And the next morning I woke up as if like, you know, my body's on schedule to go to work, even though I don't have to. So I got up and I went back to that sit spot and I sat for two hours that day. And again, it was beautiful. I brought a gift this time. I, I just threw around some almond bits nearby and a couple of pieces of uh, walnuts. And I threw a couple almond like almonds in front of me at my spot and just sat quietly. I heard this rustle in the, in the grasses and the willows nearby at the edge of this pond. And I thought it was going to be the mink again. And I looked over it and it was a red squirrel. And some part of me is like, oh, it's just a red squirrel. It's always a red squirrel. But also part of me is like, no, this is cool. I don't know any of the animals in this area, in this, through the gate, by this pond that I was sitting at. And so I took note. And that red squirrel came up fairly close and actually stood around a little bit, watching me sort of looking at me with curiosity. Maybe people haven't gone in that area for a while. And then they went down again. They were sniffing around. And it wasn't until they found the almond that I realized, oh, yeah, there's, there's almonds here that I put out. Maybe the red squirrel just came out, not even for me, but to investigate these almonds. That seems likely. So the red squirrel grabbed the almond, sniffed, took a bite, and then ran off back to where they came from. I poured another cup of tea. And probably within 10 minutes, the squirrel came back. Did the same thing, sort of stood there with its hands at its chest like a little Tyrannosaurus Rex. Looked around, got down, was sniffing their way through all the rocks and the pebbles nearby. And they found another almond. And they grabbed it and they stuffed it in their mouth and they ran off back where they came from. And they did this once more, and it was just so much fun to observe this red squirrel. And the, the mink from the day before had similar colors to the red squirrel, kind of like a cinnamon red. And I was like, was I mistaking that mink for a red squirrel? And then it went in my, my question book. It's like, okay, revisit images of minks and red squirrels to, to, to this, again, reaffirm the difference. They move differently. The red squirrel has that white eye ring, uh, the underside of a red squirrel is pale, perhaps similar to uh, a weasel, like a long-tailed weasel. And I had this question of whether the mink was a weasel or not because I couldn't see the white patch under the neck, but they definitely weren't uh, pale below. Their pelage wasn't pale below like, like a weasel would be. So it just seemed probably like a small mink. I've gone back a few more times. Most recently, I went back in the evening as the sun was going down. I watched these morning doves. Uh, I thought they were a pair, but it seemed like maybe they didn't know each other because they seemed sort of surprised by each other when they encountered each other, and they did this weird head-bobbing dance. Or they were sort of like bobbing their head up and down as they encountered each other. And then one moved back, and then they flew away. 
Meanwhile, while they were doing this, uh, just on the other side of the pond, there was a song sparrow and a white-throated sparrow having a little encounter. And song sparrow was making their way around the corner of the, there's like a corner of the pond, and the, and the white-throated sparrow was making their way out towards the pond. The song sparrow hopped over and flew beyond, just beyond uh, the white sparrow and moved off on their own. And for some reason, I thought, you know, oh, sparrows, they would just hang out. But they're different species. They have different needs. It's interesting to see how this community within this, this gated community interacts. And especially in the context of people haven't been there very much. So even though it's, it's pretty accessible for me, it's also... Kind of like not untouched because this this area has obviously been visited by humans, but maybe not by many in a while. So it's a nice special special spot to do a sit spot. I tell these stories not to say how cool and inaccessible things are, but actually to like. Remind that some things that we might consider mundane when we take a chance to really sit with them, to really look and explore them. There's so much more going on that we don't know about. And if we have patience and an openness to it, then a curiosity develops. And I think that that curiosity can do wonders for driving our education, to drive our, our learning of the natural world. And that is all founded on the experience of the sit spot. I totally understand that a sit spot is a hard thing to do. I have been at, when I, when I was in school, it was, it was terrible for me. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't focus. I really had a rough time. But the sit spot's been this wonderful therapeutic thing for me. It did, I'm not going to say it, it cured me of this, this ability. Now I can focus on anything. I can't. But I can say that it has shown me that there are things in my life that I can focus on. And I have a capacity for. And so with that understanding that I have a capacity to do a thing that was once presented as impossible for me to do, it has now enabled me to try more and focus more and, and, spend, and I give more attention to the things that I value. If you know me, you've heard this line before, but Martin Shaw says... Uh, we make things holy by the quality of attention we give them. And a sit spot is about giving things quality attention. And I think that that's, that's it. That's the foundation. It's giving things quality attention, using the curiosity, researching, telling the stories of what we've been seeing in our sit spot, using the questions that other people ask us, going back to our sit spots with these questions, trying to observe these things again. 
if you're into it, journaling, writing it out. But that, that's all, that's like storytelling. For me, sometimes it is just storytelling, telling these stories of these things over and over again to my students, my friends, my partner, to y'all who are listening on the radio. And I would say that even if you have a career or you're out in the woods all the time doing something, if, if you even think of yourself as an outdoorsy person, you know, you snowshoe or, or cross-country ski in the winter, you hike a lot. Those are all beautiful things that are really good for us. But there is something different about sitting still and learning how to sit still. I think that is, that is, that is a different thing. And I'm, I'm going to read a section from uh, the Coyote's Guide again under the heading of Sitting Still. The other part to this routine is about sitting, about stillness. On the simplest level, to sit silent and still for a long period of time will slip open the door of a world that most humans never know, the private world of wild animals and the language of the birds. Sunrise and sunset are especially magical times when wildlife actively pulses with life. Once you sit quietly long enough, the birds sort of shrug you off and accept the fact that you're there and there for good. As they return to their daily tasks, a previously hidden dimension of your landscape opens up. Wild animals, weasels, raccoons, bobcats, owls, for example, know the patterns of human activity and move out to its edge to go unseen. Sitting still initiates you into their undomesticated realm, a wild place that plays by different rules in the human world. By being a quiet, unobtrusive guest, you'll come to know, you know, Baloo's jungle law and learn to make yourself welcome again as an accepted member of the natural community. Now, I think that's a bit of a romanticized take, but I also think that that is a very accurate take. Sitting still, I usually recommend at least 20 minutes. But if you can't do 20, do 10. If you can't do 10, do 5. I find that the inspiration from 5 leads to 10. And the inspiration from 10 sometimes leads to an hour. And I really do find that when you learn to pay attention at your sit spot, you learn to pay attention to those bird calls, you pay attention to the patterns uh, of the baseline of that quiet space where when you first enter that quiet space and then when it dissipates into that baseline space where animals just are going about their business again. The volume picks up, the activity picks up. And then you see what life is like when we aren't around. And that's magic. That's, that's some good stuff right there. So all this to say, just try a sit spot. Try it. 
get out there, sit still. I know it's going to be even harder for many of us who are listening. It's going to get colder. It is getting colder in the mornings. But try it. Those edge times of day, those edge seasons like now, those are amazing times to be out there. And just sit still. Bring a cup of tea. See what you see. If you have any questions about a sit spot, you have any ideas, you have stories about it you want to tell me about, and I would love to hear them. I really would. You can always email me at knowtheland at gmail.com. If you want to see the, the Prison Connections radio show, if you want to listen to that, or if you want to check out the Naturalistics uh, podcast episode, the ha- Naturalist Habitats tier list, just go to the website for this episode. It, it'll be uh, toknowtheland.com. Check out the podcast page. And I haven't built the site, the page yet, but I'm just going to call it Sit Spots. Yeah, you can find out more information there. I just can't endorse this enough. Go for it. Go for it. And if you feel so inclined, if you're ever getting anything out of this show, you can always make a donation. It's always welcome. You can check out the website and find out more about donating at knowtheland.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to donate, that's great too. Just listen to the show. I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you get something out of it. I have some interviews that I'm setting up now. Hopefully they'll pan out. I think that's it. That's all. Take care.